Hello and welcome back to episode two of season one of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Uh, we had a great uh, full week of predictions and despite some uh, technical difficulties, uh, we are happy to uh, have that one out live and to uh, do this show with you even though it's delayed. Um, and I'm honored as always to be joined by my lovely co-host Oscar Saywell. Oscar? Oscar, hello, are you there? Just kidding. Oscar couldn't be here this week, uh, and we didn't want to delay the podcast anymore uh, since we had already gotten a little bit behind. Uh, so this is going to be a solo podcast today, brought to you by myself, Blake Munchell. Um, and with that being said, let's just get straight into it. Um. So to start it off, uh, we're going to quickly go over our predictions from last week um i correctly predicted uh four of them and oscar correctly predicted three which gives me a plus one advantage um and then just an administrative thing uh we will not do predictions this week since i would beat him uh some no matter how many i got right or got wrong so let's get right back into the uh, match day eight recap uh and we'll start with uh, Brighton Burnley, um, kind of an okay match. Uh, I did not watch this one live, but uh, I did watch the highlights. I thought maybe Brighton deserved the win. There was a 90th minute uh, incident where Ben Mee, who this was his first match back from uh, injury, he took out Aaron Connolly while uh, Connolly was on the fast break. Um, the commentators interestingly said that it was like a correct no call, um, because it wasn't an intentional tackle, but to me, Ben Mee still loses his footing, slides into Aaron Connolly and wipes him out when it would have been like a two on one situation, um, for Brighton. Uh, so if I were a Brighton fan, I would be uh, pretty upset about that. Um. But that's a relatively entertaining nil-nil, about as interesting as you can get for a nil-nil. Um, but I would feel hard done by if I were a Brighton fan. Uh, moving into probably the hardest part of this podcast, uh, Southampton 2, Newcastle 0. Um, certainly not uh, one for the books. Uh, Newcastle looked uninspired, uh, bored and just poor they got played out uh southampton did a great job at their high press and for some reason newcastle kept trying to dribble out the back um even though they had a decent uh hold up striker in uh callum wilson they still decided to let uh miguel almiron and uh sean longstaff give away balls uh right around the 18 yard box and uh southampton uh furiously grabbed those opportunities um and i would slate miguel almiron and sean longstaff a little bit more but if it wasn't them who gave up the goals any one of our 10 outfield players could uh have uh given them away um so uh yeah not very happy um 
it honestly probably should have been three nil or at least uh, a penalty to Southampton. Um, there is an incident with uh, Lascelles. Uh, what the commentator said was a great challenge, but looking at it on the review, uh, Jamal Lascelles barely gets a toe on the ball and then uh, goes studs up on uh, <clears throat> uh, Theo Walcott. Um, so. Uh, even though they got a 2-0 win, that scoreline's a little flattering to Newcastle. Um, and yeah, uh, it was just your typical Newcastle follow-up, a good performance with a like absolute dreadful performance. Um, they had low possession, a low number of shots. Um, I think the best shot on goal was from Joel Linton, which is a pretty clear sign that there might be uh, a problem going forward for Newcastle um, and players like Alan St. Maximon got completely marked out of the game uh, and then to top it all off you have injuries to uh, a player like Callum Wilson who uh, it might mean that uh, Joe Linton starts up top against Chelsea or potentially Andy Carroll does uh, neither of which I'm particularly excited for uh, and with that being said, I do not want to talk about Southampton Newcastle ever again. Uh, such a terrible match to watch. Um, moving on to the uh, the bottle derby, uh, Everton versus Man U. Who can underperform the best? Um, I thought this ended with a a three one win for Manchester United um, over Everton, um, and. Uh, just my opinions on this match. I did watch a little bit of it. Um, this is the first match back for Jordan Pickford. Um, and I thought, really, why would you? I don't think uh, Olsen did a bad job against Newcastle. Um, I think ever or sorry, uh, Jordan Pickford is a very, very shaky, out-of-form keeper right now. Um, if... I were a manager and I was playing uh, Everton, I would just tell my teammates to take shots because uh, Pickford just, I really don't know what is in his head. Uh, there was another incident um, where the ball is sort of going out of bounds and Jordan Pickford kind of like palms it back into Harry Maguire uh, and then. Uh, Jordan Pickford like clatters Harry Maguire uh, and for some reason it's not a penalty um, which I thought it should be um, I've got some nicknames written out for Jordan Pickford uh, you can call him Jordan Stinkford or Jordan Penford or Jordan Pickett out of the back of the netford uh, but really, all those nicknames would have worked better if there was a co-host here. Um, this is my first time solo podcasting, so I am sure this will be an absolute stinker of an episode, but not as stinky as Jordan Pickford's form. Um, I will say uh, Everton's goal was nice. It was a nice turn uh, by Bernard uh, and a nice finish. And then... Uh, Bruno Fernandez scored two goals, neither of which was a penalty, which is something I really didn't think I would see this season. Uh, and 
with that win, it lifts Manchester United to the lofty nosebleed heights of 14th. Uh, so great position for them. Uh, uh, I hope they're living it up with their 200 million spent every single season. Uh, moving on to uh, Crystal Palace first Leeds. Um, this is another incident uh, with another VAR controversy. I feel like every match Leeds plays in has a, or honestly also Crystal Palace has, has a VAR controversy. Um, in this one, uh, Patrick Bamford is pointing to where he wants the ball placed uh, on the through ball, um, but his shoulders and hips and torso and legs are all behind the last defender. Um, all that's really in front is like the elbow to the fingertip, uh, and they called that offsides, uh, which I, I believe is in line with the rules, but. I, this brings up a, a bigger con, uh, bigger conversation about should the rules be changed. Um, this is some some changes I wanted to uh, bounce off Oscar, but uh, he'll have to DM me uh, after listening to this. Um, so my first is uh, should the rule be changed so that it's either the hips or the shoulders need to be behind the last man, not uh well i guess a head as well but not the extremities not a finger over the line um or a second is uh should when the laws are drawn should you not be allowed to zoom in should you just put the line where you can see it and that's how var will work um because if you have a referee like the the VAR is supposed to be a fourth referee who's watching the match. A, a referee on the pitch can't zoom in and enhance and draw vertical lines and draw horizontal lines and determine what isn't what is not offsides. Um, so I don't really know. Um, I'm so confused by what is and what is not offsides and what VAR does and what VAR doesn't do. But um, that being said, you could argue that this var check uh took momentum away from leeds but uh regardless leeds got outclassed in this match palace went on to win 4-1 um uh Eze found it quite easy scored a nice uh free kick i think he had one or two assists um so a, a decent signing for palace so far um i also have in my notes that uh Patrick Bamford, who I once wrote off as like one of the worst failures of Chelsea ever, uh, has been playing amazing football and has proven every hater wrong. And there were so many haters. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive by Patrick Bamford. Um, he has who knows how many goals this season. Um, I could pull it up really quickly. Seven goals this season which is who would ever guess that Patrick Bamford would score seven goals in a Premier League season. Um, I also want to point out that uh, this, uh, sorry, uh, this match had one of the most amazing own goals I've ever seen. Patrick Van Anhalt for Palace uh, 
tried to swing a low cross in and uh, Helder Costa comes sliding in for leads. Uh, and basically from the maybe four feet in front of the goal, but 40 feet wide manages to squeeze it in under his goalkeeper for one of the funniest own goals I've seen in many, many years. Um, and, and that all came from a wonderful through ball by Zaha, um, who he didn't score, and he's probably a little disappointed in his scoring this season, but I think he's playing phenomenally, and I really, really think he deserves a move to a big, big club, uh, and I think he'll really, really prove his haters wrong uh, when he does. I think he's going to find a great goal scoring and assisting record and generally play amazingly. Uh, he just needs that investment around him. Uh, moving on to uh, Chelsea versus Sheffield United. Um, Chelsea smashed Sheffield United. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. Um, there were some tidy goals in there. There was a deflected goal in there. Um, I think Tammy Abraham scored his second goal of the season, which will give Gareth Southgate uh, even more reason to call him up over more informed strikers for England. Um, uh, I really, there have been times where I've thought maybe Chris Wilder can get Sheffield United out of the hole they've dug themselves into. Um, they're currently sitting in 20th with one point. Uh, but I think it's getting to the point where the problems are really, really serious and they need to consider potentially changing the man at the helm because uh, Sheffield United just got absolutely outclassed. Um, and they spent $30 million on a striker, on Rian Brewster from Liverpool. Uh, I have not been impressed at all. Uh, I think they should be giving all of his playtime to David McGoldrick uh, because I think David McGoldrick is right now a much better player than Rian Brewster is. Um, and I think when you're in a sinking ship, you can't risk uh, playing your out-of-form players. You need, to, you need to play the player who's in a little bit of decent form. Um, certainly, I think he's already doubled the amount of goals he had last season, uh, David McGoldrick. So we'll see if Sheffield United can get out of it. I'm not confident, uh, even though they have a great manager at the helm. Uh, now moving on to West Ham Fulham. Uh, very sorry that Oscar couldn't be here because he sounds like he had a great time watching this match. Um, he described it as the most entertaining 1-0 win uh, you can have, uh, which... I kind of agree with um, Alfonso Areola uh, had some amazing saves um, keeping. So even though West Ham was sort of in control of it early, uh, Fulham defensively was playing well, which is something you don't say very often. Um, I have written in my notes that uh, West Ham play so well uh, in this no fans era because they're used to playing in front of no fans, uh, which would go down a lot better if Oscar was here to yell at me after I made that comment, but I'm going to say it with no consequences uh, until he listens. Um, 
I want to say Saeed Benrama looked amazing. Um, I think they have quite a decent player on their hands. Um, I'm not quite sure what the situation is. Uh, I know he's on loan right now and there's like an obligation to buy, but sometimes an obligation doesn't mean an obligation. So we'll see what happens this next season. Um, and then uh, there was controversy in the 94th minute or so. Um, sometime late into stoppage time uh, where uh, Fulham get a penalty. Uh, they, for some reason, Mitro does not get the ball. Adamola Lookman, uh, who's a new player to Fulham, gets the penalty. He tries to Panenka the goalkeeper, uh, absolutely fails. Um, in After this match, uh, Scott Parker, who's both a Newcastle and a West Ham legend, uh, called out Automella Lookman, um, which has some interesting uh, atmosphere uh, about a, a manager calling out such a young player um, somewhat harshly. Uh, but I thought uh, Alexander Mitrovich was very well composed and mature. Um, he said he didn't blame Lookman and that uh, that uh, it just shows the type of player he is that he would be so daring to even try it. And of course, if if that goes in, then we're all talking about such a entertaining and like ballsy call by Lookman. Um, so who knows? I think it was stupid, but, uh, I, you can't beat up such a young player. I'm sure he thought it was going to go in. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, we have, uh, Spurs versus wet, wet, not wet Brom, West Brom. Um, I thought West Brom were as valiant as they could get. They even had 12 shots, but only two on target. Um, but in the end, it's a deserved 1-0 win for Tottenham. Uh, it was Harry Kane's 150th goal. It was a nice goal um, and a nice headed goal. And uh, Harry Kane is the second fastest player to 150 goals behind Alan Shearer, who he may or may not catch Alan Shearer on the Premier League all-time scoring. So... We'll have to keep an eye on it. I certainly don't want him to beat it. Um, and the my only other comment from this game is the Spurs all yellow kit. Pretty nice. Probably the only nice thing about Tottenham. Uh, moving on to uh, Leicester versus Wolves. Um, my question for this is for this match uh, is what is a handball? Uh, at times they've said it's anything, any contact with the hand that makes the hand or that makes the body larger than it naturally is. Um, they also have like come out and changed the interpretation of this uh, rule. So I'm very confused. I wish they would just I know not change the rule until after this season, uh, but Leicester win one nil through a penalty from Jamie Vardy. Um, I feel like 
there's not someone I'm ever more confident in to put a penalty in the back of the net than Jamie Vardy. He just hits it so purely every time. Um, and then I also want to state about this game that uh, Ryan Aitnori, uh, who had such a phenomenal debut uh, in this match, he gave away a terrible penalty. Uh, which I think talks a little bit about his discipline when defending um, because I don't think you should ever dangle a leg in the penalty box. You're just asking for a, a penalty to be called, but Lester missed that penalty anyways, so it doesn't really matter. Just something to learn from uh, if he listens to this podcast. Uh Moving on to uh, what I believe was Oscar's match of the week, uh, Man City-Liverpool. It ended in a 1-1 draw. Um, Liverpool went ahead with a 13th-minute uh, penalty from Mo Salah, uh, which who knows how many penalties he scored this season, maybe four. Um, but when you're a great attacking team, you're going to get a lot of penalties. Um, and Liverpool certainly do. Um, but Man City would come back to tie it up in the 31st minute with a tidy goal from Gabriel Jesus, who uh, you could question whether uh, it was an intentional touch by him or a mistouch that was very lucky, but I think he still did well. Um and then the big talking point of this game was uh, Joe Gomez uh, had a handball. Um, I know Oscar disagreed with this call. Um, he texted me something along the lines of, what the fuck, what even is a penalty anymore? Um, if you go by the standard that if your arm is in a position that makes your body larger, then yes, that is a penalty. But if you go by, if it's it's not a penalty, if the arm is in a natural position, then you could argue Joe Gomez is just running. Um, but either way, uh, a poor penalty by De Bruyne, which you really don't see very often. Um, so he missed and the game ends 1-1. Uh, the biggest uh, takeaway coming out of this match, though, is... Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold out for about four weeks after this match due to a calf injury that adds to the ACL injury for uh, Van Dyke and uh, whatever Joe Gomez's injury is that he picked up for England, um, causing, I don't know, maybe they'll have to start uh, that Nat Phillips kid uh, at both center-back positions and at right-back. Um, so. Who knows what they'll do? I'm sure Liverpool will be fine. Um, they'll just spend $150 million in January anyways. So, And then to uh, finish up the recaps, um, my personal favorite match of the match day, um, a 3-0 drubbing of Arsenal by Aston Villa. Um, Arsenal looked lazy. Honestly, they kind of looked like Newcastle did against Southampton. Um, they uh, start really, really poorly. I think in the before the first minute, I think about 43 seconds in, 
Uh, they choose not to close down Grealish on the wing. He gives it to McGinn. McGinn smashes it in um, fractionally offsides, but offsides is the correct call. Um, so I'm sure if it was a much closer game, Aston Villa would be a lot more angry. Um, but they would go ahead in the 25th minute uh, with a Bukayo Saka own goal where the entirety of the Arsenal team was in the box, I believe. Maybe there was one player not in the box, but uh, they certainly had 10 inside the box behind the ball. Uh, they were inviting Aston Villa to come at them. Uh, then uh, Jack Grealish and uh, Barkley are just uh, toying with the Arsenal defenders, um, much like the first goal that was called offsides. But uh, the ball is put into the middle. Trezeguet and Saka are at the back post, and Saka puts it in. Um, in my opinion, if Saka doesn't put it in and Trezeguet doesn't put it in, it's going to be a penalty on Trezeguet because Saka absolutely crushes Trezeguet afterwards. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't injured. Um, but my biggest takeaway from this is uh, like the English media. Um, I guess Bleacher Report is American. so uh, But they tweeted after this goal, the clip, and they said, not too many visitors come to the Emirates and play like Barkley and Grealish, uh, which I <laughs> uh, audibly scoffed at. Um, I'm not sure what Arsenal they've been watching for the last 10 years, but uh, Arsenal certainly are not the defensive masterclass that they used to be. Um, I feel for the last 10 to 15 years, they have been very shaky at the back. Um, always a goal fest when you go to Arsenal. It's just, will they outscore you? And then uh, Aston Villa would concede two more in the 72nd and 75th minute by uh, Arsenal fan Ollie Watkins. Um, and I just want to state the defending for those goals were terrible. All three goals, all four goals, including the one that was chalked off sides. Terrible defending. I don't know what Arsenal is doing. I don't know why they're starting Rob Holding in the Premier League. Um, Gabriel, I think, has been a good signing, but he was not great at all. So Arsenal need to do something. They need to find someone to throw in that back line who will actually perform for them. So. And since we're not going to do any predictions this week, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on news because I think some interesting things happened. There were some FA Cup first round matches, even though, in quotations, elite soccer is supposed to, or non-elite soccer is supposed to be on lockdown. Um, they're still doing the first round of the FA Cup, uh, which includes non-professional teams, which I think is interesting and might cause some problems if some lower league teams stay in this. Um, they might still be playing in the FA Cup even though their league has been shut down. Um, although I expect the FA to come out pretty soon with a resolution for that. Um, but some upsets. Um, Non-league Marine knocked Colchester out on penalties. Um, in a pretty entertaining match. Um, 
Wayne Rooney's younger brother, John Rooney, scored from beyond midfield um, in that FA Cup match. Um, of course, I have to comment about uh, bottom of League 2, Mansfield Town knocking out Sunderland uh, in the FA Cup. And then I think the biggest uh, match of the first round was uh, Torquay United and Crawley Town. Uh, it ended 5-6 to Crawley Town. Uh, Torquay are in the National League. Um, I don't even think they're a good team in the National League, uh, but they would go 2-0 up. Uh, and then the Crawley Town goalkeeper uh, went to punch the ball and gets knocked unconscious. Uh, play was stopped for 16 minutes. Uh, they had to substitute their backup goalkeeper in. Uh, However, despite this, Crawley Town makes it 2-2. Uh, and then uh, Torquay go 3-2 up, and Crawley Town scores in the 121st minute to go 3-3 and force extra time. 121st minute, and they weren't already in extra time. Um, Torquay would go up 5-3 in extra time before Crawley scores a late three goals to win 6-5 and proceed to the second round uh, for a match that must have gone for two hours and 45 minutes. Um, so a valiant effort from Torquay United. I would have loved to see them win this one, but uh, Crawley props them for clawing this back and pulling it off. Uh, and then my last bit of news is that the Gunnersaurus uh, has been brought back to Arsenal. They decided he was an essential employee um, with. Uh, so I guess they're bringing him back and they might throw him in the back line and cheer up their defense uh, because the rest of their defense is certainly extinct. So you might as well bring a dinosaur in there. Boom. Without predictions um, and without Oscar, um, this is hopefully going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, um, and it also means I'm not going to be doing my five questions, which is a shame, because I thought my five questions this week were like the top, the best five questions I could have come up with. Um, I really brought out the big guns, but uh, because no Oscar, I'll hold it off for next week, or, well, this next week will be the... Uh, the international break podcast, uh, which will do a little bit of a special format. So it'll be the match day nine podcast. We'll have these five questions. So stay tuned. Um, but uh, I'm going to keep up my one wonder kid um, just to uh, keep in theme with the podcast. Uh, it's the only thing that differentiates us from any other footballing podcast. Um, so this week's wonder kid who did not pan out is uh, a Burundi international uh, who started out at Newcastle United. Uh, he was one of the first wonder kids I really remember. Um, I remember thinking that he was going to boss the midfield for Newcastle. Um, and he ended up making 13 first team appearances, but certainly did not live up to his potential of being an England uh, under 20 player. Um, purchased for a big fee for a uh, a youth player for one million pounds from Coventry City, um, but after not making it at Newcastle and not making it at Rangers, uh, he would uh, join 
Coventry City, uh, where he came from, uh, and then go to Scotland, play for Motherwell and Hibernian. Uh, then in 2019, he joined National League side Solihill Moors, uh, and now he applies his trade in the Northern Irish League uh, for Glentoron FC, uh, who for some reason their motto is in French um, with, so if any uh, French speakers know what this means, please DM me on Twitter um, or tweet it and I'll retweet you. Uh, someone tell me what le jeu enfant tu means. And with that being said, hopefully uh, we have a new podcast coming out very soon um, about uh things not related to Premier League soccer. Um, we aim to have maybe five segments of things we don't usually get to talk about, um, and that should be out uh, this coming Monday if we have all our eggs in a line and all our chickens counted uh, and we don't run into even more technical difficulties. Uh, so with that being said, I'm Blake Munchell. Uh, please follow me at bmunch. Uh, email the pod at peaked the number two early pod at gmail.com and uh yeah hopefully next week you don't have to listen to my voice for an hour you get to listen to my voice and the wonderful oscar saywell take care stay safe stay inside and good night